Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. What I want to talk to you about today is the making of you. Everybody say the making of me. The making of me. You and I do not come into the world ready-made. Like, hit it on the counter, twist it, pull those biscuits out, lay it on, stick it in. She's going to be golden brown in 25 minutes. Or, no, it's 14 minutes, depending if it's Pillsbury or I don't know. Right, wouldn't it be so great if it was just, I'm going to turn golden brown, turn the heat just right? That's all you need. No, we don't come into this world ready-made. There is a making of you. There's a developing of you, a revealing of you. And there's a chiseling away of what is not you to reveal everything that God has for you and, and has put on the inside of you. How many of you know that there's a chiseling away in masterpieces, right? And what happens is, is that you and I have experiences full of experiences that have done nothing but try to tell you that that you you don't have purpose, you don't have future, you've done too much, you've made too many mistakes, and if this message isn't for you, then it's for somebody else. Give them the CD or tape. Do we tape it? Do we tape it? Do y'all get tapes around here or CDs? <laughs> My kids make fun of me for saying tape. Are, are you taping me? <laughs> And so what happens is, is that everything is against you becoming everything that God has meant for you to be. That goes for you. That goes for your family. That goes for your marriage relationship. That goes for your parenting. That goes for your, for your friendships. That goes for your church. And we have to fight for things, right? And so what I want you to do is just let me, if you wouldn't mind, just let me give you a quick um, history in the life of Jacob. I know that many of you know who Jacob is, but if you're new to church, you may not have heard of the name Jacob, but you have certainly heard of the name Israel. And Jacob is an incredible uh, character in the Bible. And so if you would, I just would love to bring a few things, bring three of his encounters to you, but I want to bring forward some things for you to think about for you to consider and for you to find yourself in the story. Destiny was upon Jacob. There was a prophetic destiny declared by God before he was even born, okay? Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac was the promised son. And he, he so that, which means he's the grandson of Abraham. So Abraham believed God for, for, for this son. And he, and he was his nation. Isaac was his nation. He needed a, God kept promising him a nation. He, he promised children. But what he needed, what Abraham needed was a son. And so he has Isaac. Isaac was his nation. And Isaac gives birth to Jacob. And so now Jacob is this grandson. And God changes his name to Israel later. And we'll talk about that. But there's this destiny that's already upon him because the mother, um, there was, she was feeling a struggle. Rachel was feeling a struggle inside of her, and she had to inquire of the Lord. And before there were sonograms, you know, you would just show up to have your baby wherever you showed up. I don't know where you showed up, in a tent. I don't know, somewhere in the bush. And you'd have your children, and you didn't know if it was a girl or a boy, and you didn't know if it was just one or two or three or five or ten. I've heard of those kinds of things happening. But God told her, you have twins, he, she inquired of the Lord, and when she tells, he, he tells her already ahead of time what's going to happen with Jacob. But he, 
he wasn't named at that point. He, he tells her that this, you have one that's the younger, but the, but the older is going to serve the younger. And so Rachel keeps that in mind. And so destiny is upon him before he's even born. I want you to know that God has given you a destiny, and it's been upon you before you were even born. And you may think that, you know, I'm, that's for the special ones. No, I'm here to tell you that there's destiny upon you, that God has anointed you to have a destiny, a future, and a purpose. And every person has a purpose for why you are here. There's a reason you're here. God has an eternal purpose for your existence. And yes, it's still intact. And yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I know this because you matter to an eternal God. Amen. But there's this revealing of you, a chiseling away of what's not you, and this development that we get to see. We kind of see it. We see it happen in Jacob, and I want to know if it's happening in your life. Jacob has three significant encounters with God that were part and parcel to the making of him, to the making of Israel. That I already mentioned that he was the father of the, all of the 12. Yes? Okay. So the first encounter, Jacob being the twin, he ended up um, receiving the blessing that was meant for the firstborn son. So Esau was his older brother. He, he, he takes this blessing, and it causes major drama in the family. Do y'all know about drama in the family? I'm Hispanic. I, have, I know all about drama in the family. And the thing is, he has to flee from Esau for his life. So big brothers kill you, right? We kind of all know that. I have, I'm the only, okay, so I'm number eight of eight children. Seven of us are girls. I'm the only one with a big brother. All of the rest of them have a baby brother, and they treat him like nothing. And I was, had the fear of God, of this brother. I couldn't do anything because he killed me regularly. And so Jacob is on the run. And he comes to a place, he goes to sleep, and he has this dream. Is that rain? So Jacob goes to sleep, and he sees this ladder. He sees this staircase to heaven. And he sees angels ascending and descending. And he looks in and he could see the top at the top of the staircase, at the, stop of, at the top of the stairway, there's God. And God introduces himself to him. And he tells him what he's going to do in his life. And God, what happens is Jacob wakes up. When he wakes up, he awakens to the reality of God. That there is more than this temporary world. There's, and he even says it. He said, God is in this place, and I didn't know it. And so he, here, there's so much revelation about this first encounter that, that he calls this place the house of God. You're sitting in a house of God. That encounter changed the world forever. And there's so much more there, even in that. But what happened is, is that he understands there is a God that is eternal and he wants to be with me and he's for me. And but not only that, he begins a journey because his family was, this was a family religion that he was in. But what's happening is he's beginning a journey that's where it's not just family religion, it's personal revelation. And that's the making of him. That's his story. 
So destiny is upon Jacob, but it's not alive in him yet. And that's part of his, that's part of what he has to realize. Maybe you come from a great family. Maybe you come from a family full of, you're, you're all Christians. And you, there's great promise and there's great potential, right? Or maybe you're just struggling to believe that, is, is God real? And I'm around God all the time. There's promise of who God is. There's talk about who God is. I should know him. I should know all these things. But, but the thing is, is that it's not about it being around you or it's about it being in you. Is it in me that I have a future and a hope that he promised? Is it in me that there's something that I'm, I'm, I'm here for a reason? Is it in me that his hand is upon me for something good, according to Thessalonians, right? Is it in me? I hear it. It's around me. It's upon me. It's upon my life. But is it in me? Is it in you? And I think in a lot of areas, it is in us. And then there is a few areas where it's like, mm, But Jacob becomes awakened to God and the reality of God. Okay, so his second encounter is when he ends up returning to his father's land. In that first encounter, God told him, I'm bringing you back here. And he ends up coming back. But he had to come back and he had to face his past. He was going to have to face Esau. But he's actually on the run from his his father-in-law. And so this is Jacob. Jacob is been living his life strategizing and deal-making and working hard for what he has. And man, he, he, he's strategizing and he's, he's even paying attention to how he's going to approach Esau. He had to send gifts ahead of him. He, he even, there was this whole, you got to read it, but there's this whole thing that he's calculating, calculating, calculating. How am I going to keep my life? Right. And so he separate. Then he realizes, oh, my goodness, I need to separate from my wives and my ch- the ones that I love the most in case he comes and finds me. And so here's Esau is all I'm, Jacob is all by himself. And what he does is he along comes God <laughs> and he begins to wrestle with God. He begins this struggle with God all night long. I don't know about you, but my wrestles with God are always all night long. Like, can't we just have this in the afternoon? Like, these things are harming my life. But can I schedule this for the afternoon? It just happens in the middle of the night, right? Everything that matters to you just comes loud and clear. And there ain't anybody else but God in the room with you. Right? Ugh. And so Jacob wrestles with him all night long. He, he battles with him. It's a full-on sparring match. Because he won't let him go until he blesses him. So there's just this drive in Jacob. He's got to be successful. He's got to, he's got to, he's just, he's got something on him. He he follows a plan for his mother. There's just this thing that he just, he keeps walking himself into situations where he has to get himself out of it. He's got to work hard. He's got to do this. And so he he asks, he's like, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. He demands a blessing from God. And so what God does is he asks him his name. He says, what's your name? And he says, his name is Jacob. Well, what happened? It happens is he would have learned this from his father, who would have learned it from his father. Isaac means laughter. Abraham, they, they named Isaac laughter. 
because there was something that the baby did that caused them to name him. And so what happened with Jacob and, and Esau, he actually, Jacob actually grabs the heel of Esau when he's being born, and, it, and, they, and they named him Jacob, which means supplanter, deceiver, one who seizes. He seized. And so what happens is, is he's actually known for this. He's, this name is known. He's known. He's known with this name. His name is known. He's known by this name. He's called this name. And you call somebody, you call somebody a name, they, they believe it. And so he tells him, I'm going to change your name. You want me to bless you? I'm going to change your name to Israel. And so he changes his name. And so the making of Jacob meant that there would need to be a name change. There's going to be, there's going to need to be a new identity let me just tell you that God has all the identity you need if you need a name change. Before he had a say in the matter, he was named. Before you had a say in the matter, you were named. And maybe your Christian name is meaning, you know, something so wonderful and lovely that you are a gift from God. My son is called the son of fire. I don't really know what we were thinking. Why would we do that? <laughs> Whatever your name is, Maybe that's fine, but there are some things that will try to name you in your life. Experiences, pain, heartbreak, lack, poverty, what you, what you came from. I will share this with you that my, my mother had to raise all of eight of us kids without a, a father, without a husband. She, while, I was, while my mother was pregnant with me, my father was having a child with somebody else. And he just kept having kids. <laughs> They just kept on going. But my mother was an alcoholic, and she became, well, let me say it this way. My father had kind of led her in that direction, and because he left, it led her to become an alcoholic. She was drinking, and she could not, she, she would wake up in my crib, bent over in my crib, and my oldest sisters would come and get me. And when she realized, she had to wake up to this reality that, I'm sinking. Somebody invited her to a church service. <laughs> Please invite people to church services. <laughs> God changed her life, and from one day to the next, she was set free from, from that. And she changed her life. God changed her life. And because she said yes to Jesus, all of us are walking with God. All of us, it, we, it's, it's a different reality. She, God changed her name. Oh, thank God. You think God can't change your name and change your identity? Let me just tell you, God can change anything. I don't know what you call yourself. I don't know what the world has tried to say to you. I don't know what your pain and your, your rejection, maybe the neglect of a parent, the rejection of a parent, poverty, brokenness, whatever has tried to name you and put a, put a name tag on you. Can, can you just take it off today? Let's just take it off today. There is plenty of room. He has so much identity for you. He has so much purpose and planning. You don't have to look like your neighbor. Your destiny and your future and your purpose, it does not have to look like the people that you see on Instagram. And dear God, just because you see people having a blast on Instagram, even though it's fake and they staged it, don't think for a second that your life ain't worth living anymore. Oh my God, generation, get a hold of this truth. They are miserable, as bad as you. 
Let me say that again. Just like you are in all kinds of situations, they are too. They're just really good at masking it. Okay, so you cannot judge your life on the highlights and the high reels of somebody else. Enough. We do not compare ourselves. That is not going to happen in the house of God anymore. God has enough. He's got enough resources. He's got enough room for you. Oh, there's plenty of space for you to live. You, you can walk the length and the depth and the width of the promised land that God has given to you. And still there's more for you. If it's, if it's, if it's finances, if it's health, if it's whatever, if it's confidence, if it's, if it's future, if it's career, if it's children, if it's a house, it's a car, there's room. Do you know that God is not a miser today? Can I just tell you, he is not a miser. Oh, he loves you faithfully, continually, always, and he's going to pursue you. And the second you think that you're just lack, I just never have enough. Let God come in and change that identity off of you. You do not have to be, you do not have to be poor. This is the thing that my mother teaches all, well, she can't help but blurt this out whenever we put a microphone in her hand. She's so funny. Let me say this, by the way, she's 80. She just turned 80 and she has eight children and all of us eight kids wrote 10 things so that she could read all 80 reasons why we love her. And it was all about sacrifice, all about what she did. She just, she just loved the Lord and the very pages that she would turn at night in the scriptures are these pages that I would go to sleep to. I could hear her just turning the pages. She came, she changed her life. God changed her life to those pages Oh, he told him who he told her who he was. And because she found out who he was, she found out who she was. Oh, yes. You need to know who you are. You go to your father. Go find out who he is. And then you know what? You walk out of there and go, oh, this is who I am. Amen. 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 This is who I am. Right. Okay. This, I'm talking about the making of you. In the making of you, you're going to need a name change. He wants to call you beloved. He wants to call you accepted where you've been rejected. He wants to call you chosen. He wants to call you forgiven where you think that you never can be because everything you did was just too far gone. Forgiveness is yours. Oh my goodness, has he ever have so much generous forgiveness for you. He wants to call you adopted, which means he can never get rid of you. He's trying to get in your life and stay in your life when all the people are trying to bail on you. And you hardly come to church. I mean, uh-uh, not in this house. Amen. It is your birthright. For those of you who are the family of God, it's your birthright that God gets the naming rights over you. This is your birthright. But you have to submit to the chiseling away of what is not you. Let it go. It's not you. That thing that bothers you that you do over and over and over, it's actually not you. You, you have been accused, you've been condemned, you've been told things, and, and you've tried to believe it, and maybe there's a little bit of identity there because you need one, you're looking for identity, but can I just tell you, you would rather be a victor. You cannot be a victor and a victim at the same time, please. You want to be a victor, you want to be a victor, you want to be a victor. Take the blame. Don't blame anybody else. Take the blame for yourself. You know what? I did that wrong. I'll fix it. Keep moving. Don't let things stop you. You have a destiny to pursue. You have future out in front of you. Amen. Okay. So, so oh, the chiseling away. The chiseling away. There's a chiseling away of you. And you've got to let it go. Because God wants to reveal what he has for you. 
Okay, so the third, which is the most ordinary of all of the encounters. Genesis chapter 35 and verse 1. Let's read it really fast because I just want you to see the way that God speaks to Jacob. 35, no, not 1, verse 9. It says, after Jacob returned to, to from Padam, I'm sorry, Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God, say, God says to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. He named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. And kings will be among your descendants. The land I give to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. See, I want God to speak to me this way. I want to look at my children and I want to say, that's my nation. These are my, this is my nation. We're going, to, we're going to reach people. This is my nation, a community of nations. Kings are going to be among my descendants, kings and queens of the earth. That's what Revelations calls you, saints. Kings and queens of the earth and kings and queens are going to come from you. That's what your child is. That's what your teenager is. I know they have attitude and they wear too much makeup and they're annoying and they, they go and steal all your clothes. I know what they do to you. They're God's heritage for you. It says that God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. I just wanted you to hear the way that God speaks to him, and this is grand. What he's saying to him is, is huge. A community of nations. Can you imagine literally God talking to you and telling you from you is going to become a com community of nations? Do you think that you would like, your knees would like buckle? <laughs> like they said, you get to go preach to, in McKinney. I was like, oh. almost didn't make it on time. I'm, I was like four minutes late to the first service. Okay. This is what happens with God, but with God and Jacob, but, but it's, it's totally ordinary. He's just having a conversation. There's no, you know, there's no wrestling match. There's no stairway to heaven, like the song. There's none of that is happening, right? He just begins to speak to him, and he reminds him of who he is. I just want to encourage you. I want to make some statements to you. that God is powerful. He doesn't lie. He has enough resources. He doesn't run out of anything that you need. He's faithful. What God starts, he finishes. He's going to be faithful to complete it in you. He's not running out. He's not going to run out for you. And when he says, I am doing this, he means it. And that feeling and that pressure that comes to sit in on your life when God begins to speak to you about what you, what you want to see, we think that we have to do it all on our own. We think it's all on us. Because somewhere in our hearts and our minds, we know God's got this. But we're programmed to think, but it's on me. It's on me. It's on me. I can't have an unproductive day. I can't sleep in. I can't, I gotta, I've gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do, I, I've gotta do it. And in our doing, we, it comes from the wrong place. It doesn't come from a place of being, it's just doing. Doing to be instead of the, you are 
who God says you are, and you do from that place, right? And so Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, Jesus is so, he's so, he's so great. Isn't he just so great? (laughs) Jesus, he just, he just looks at people and he's just like, get up. Why are you, why are you laying there? He just has this way about him. And he says in chapter 6 and verse 25, he says, don't worry about your life. And we all say, amen. Don't worry. Don't worry about your life. Um, Does anyone at all want to admit with me that my life is exclusively what I worry about? (laughs) It's all, that's what keeps me up at night. My life. Jesus, you're so cute. (laughs) I know you said that, but. Like, is my life here, Jesus? It's like a really big deal. Like, doesn't any of these things matter to you? Do you not see that my world is falling apart? Do you not see what's going on? I had a flat tire. I don't have the extra... Oh my gosh. And then in the middle of the night, I'm thinking, oh, we got to take care of this. We got to take care of this. We got to take care of this because it's all on me. It's on me. It's on me. It's on me. It's on me. And he's like, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't do what everybody in the whole wide world of eternity across the entire globe and the history of the world does. <laughs> you know, I don't worry about your life. Jesse could have something going on and, you know, get chicken pox. And you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna pray for you, but I'm not losing sleep over Jesse. I'm losing sleep over me. And if I get the chicken pox, you know, I'm gonna have to go into hiding. Uh, okay. Anyways. So, so we, we don't, we don't handle that command very well. And so the trouble is, is that we believe the scripture, but we can't obey the scripture. And so what happens is we have to think, we have, we have to kind of add to the working of God. We believe that God's going to do and accomplish some things in our lives, but we've got to help him out a bit or it's not actually going to come to pass. <laughs> Hello, that's me like, you know, 24-7, 24-17 if that was true. So we see this in the life of Jacob. He's a worker. He's ambitious. He's driven. He's a deal maker. He's made a deal for his brother's birthright. He's following his mother. He's, do, he's doing all kinds of, there's, there's deceit. There's, there's deal making. There's all this stuff that's taking place. He's a strategizer because he wants to do well in life. But what's weird is that he already had a prophetic. God spoke this over him. God spoke this over him. Everything that you receive from the word of God that's for your life, he spoke it. He said it. You just get to agree with it. But does it mean it's on you to do it and to make it happen? Oh, come on. We have to have faith in him, right? Okay, so let me just, I want to say a couple of quick things and I'm going to move in fast. But this thinking that it's on me, 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 it's on me. We do it more than we realize. It's on me, it's on me, it's on me. It has a massive, massive impact on the life that you're going to live, how you treat the people around you, and whether you even like your life or not. Because when it gets too hard, you're just ready to walk away from all of it. 
We quit. We quit. This is a quitting generation. This is an anxious, the most anxious generation in the history of humanity. We are the most anxious people that have walked the face of the earth. Do you guys realize that? It's on me. It's on me. It's on me. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the making of you because it's going to interfere with what God wants to do for you. He wants you to awaken to his reality. He wants to give you identity. But he also wants to remind you. He wants to remind you of who you are. Let me say this about this thinking. It's on me, it's on me, it's on me, it's on me, it's on me. It allows toxicity into your life. Because this, the root of it is that we doubt that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And God wants us to be certain. He wants us to be certain. He wants us to be certain. What happens is our doubt leads to worry, and then this uncertainty concoction releases toxicity into your life. And then you treat people like when you're stressed, you react rather than love and care. When you're afraid, you're not yourself, right? And so we doubt whether God's going to do what he said he's going to do. We, we, we live with this mindset. And I just, I want to say to you that this thinking that it's on me, it's on me, it's on me. I want it to, the burden of that thinking to come off of you today. It needs to come off of you. You're in the house of God right now. The presence of God is here. The spirit of God is here. Your worship alone proclaimed your own victory. You're declaring there's a spirit of praise in this place. And God is here. He's in the center of her, of his church. He's in the very center and he walks. Revelation says he walks. He walks through his church. He walks through. You're programmed to think transactionally. Input, output. You're trained to think transactionally. You're, you're trained to think we get what we deserve we get what we work for. My wealth is because of my efforts. We get what our performance credits us with. And you can tell if you're thinking transactionally by this one test that you fear what you can't control. You fear what you can't control. Do you fear what you can't control? Oh, Lord, have mercy. And so we think, it's my energy, it's my focus, it's on me, it's on me. And then something jumps into your life that you can't control. And then some, suddenly, it's all just too big and you, just, it, you, you can't hold your world up anymore. Well, you weren't supposed to be holding it up in the first place. He said he wanted to give you abundant life. He said he wanted to give it to you. Why are you trying to squeeze out abundant life out of your own hands when God's hands are so much bigger? Right? Okay, so the third of these, mom these, these three... Um, Encounters, okay? This one is so uninteresting. No wrestling match. None of that has happened. He just reminds him of what he had already told him. He tells him, you're not Jacob. You are Israel. Okay, so here's the difference. Jacob is a transactional name, and Israel was a positional name. Jacob literally means he deceives or he supplants. In other words, this is a guy that just goes after what he wants in life. He, but, God, but the name Israel, it says God named him. God named him Israel. That means God prevails. You know, I just want God to name you today, that he prevails. He wins. He's strong enough. He's got you. He's got this. You keep coming to him. 
You keep leaning on him. You keep trusting him. Amen. So I just want to close with this, that I want the burden of it's not me. I mean, it's all on me. It's on me. It's on me to come off of you. The central thing in the making of you is, for, is to bring us to a place of confronting the doubts in our hearts about who we think we are to believing in who he has called us to be to free you from the tormenting doubt so that we can live the life that God wants us to live. He's, he's, he, he's got it for you. It's available to you. We sing about it. We sing about that we've been broken for that bondage is broken off of us. You know what? You're not a sinner anymore and you've been brought to Christ. You're in the family of God. That's the first thing. That's the first exit, right? That was the first, you, you walked away from that. That's the, that, that's, that's incredible, and then there's another step that you have to take that's entering into all that you are. It's not just about, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm set free from this, but, but now I am delivered to pursue, to deliver to receive what God has for me. And so the aches and the pains and the things that just, just freak my mind out, yeah, but I'm saved. Yeah, but you're still hurting. You're still struggling. You're still hitting that cycle again. That's the second part. That's the second part. That's the make. That's the part that's the making of you. And he doesn't want you to live transactionally. He wants you. He wants to say to you, you're not Jacob. You're Israel. And, and he says this, your underlying assumption, assumptions are not correct. You think you're doing this. He says, I'm doing this. I get to have naming rights over you. I get to redeem you. I get to make you whole and make you polish you up and show you the world and present the world, you to the world. This is my job. Amen? Amen. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, I literally have two minutes left. Uh, this passage of scripture, you all know it because you come to Eric Holler's church or you've heard Pastor Brandon Holler. Romans 8 chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 Okay, the, the reason why it's powerful is because there's a series of questions that challenge us the way that we think about God and the way that we think about ourselves in the light of God and of who God is. And so I, I don't have time to go through all of it, but I do want you to read Romans 8, chapter 8, and verse 31. And the very first verse, it says, it says, what then? Shall we say in response to these things? You have to read to know the response. But this is the question. If God is for us, who can be against us? I just want you to know that, that this is a very important question for you. Is God for me? Is God for me? Is he for me? then it, check, it affects the way that I'm approaching my life. Is he for me? Because it can all be stacked against you. All of it. And I know, I know that life. I lived it. It's all I knew. There was nothing. There was no groceries. There was none of that. There was barely a car. Our car had a hole in the passenger seat. Uh, not the seat, the floorboard. I would just, I would drive, mother would drive me around and my feet would be here and I would look at the, you could see the asphalt. <laughs> oh, I don't know how we made it. We didn't have electricity. Bats were in our fireplace. Mother would have to cook in the fireplace. It was snowpocalypse. Like, 
for years. <laughs> and I just want to tell you that it can all be stacked against you, but God is for you. It, be, it changed our lives. Changed the direction and the course because God was for us. We could have joy on the inside of that. And we walked away from that. We walked out of bondage, poverty, pain, fear, lack, and we walked into destiny and victory. I'm only standing here because of her and what she did and what she what 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 life she chose. But I'll just tell you, all the stuff that's stacked against you, it falls away when God is for you. He can you he you just the circumstances cannot stay the same. Do you understand that? When God is for you, can you just imagine heaven open and he just leans over the balcony of heaven and says, I'm for you. I'm going to be with you everywhere you go. That's the new reality. That's the reality that you need to live with. I want you to live with it. I want you to live with that. Would y'all stand to your feet? read this and pray, okay? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give you all things? All means all. You know this. Who will bring a charge, any charge, against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died more than that, who has raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Who is going to separate you from your future? Who is going to separate you? What's going to separate you from your destiny? What's going to separate your children from their destiny? What's going to separate you from the thing you're asking God for? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. If you have felt that way, let me just tell you, verse 37 says, no, no. Sometimes you just got to tell your trouble, no. Sometimes you just got to tell those things that stack up and there's just a list. It's a list of stuff to overcome, right? Sometimes you just have to say, no, in all of this, I'm going to be more than a conqueror in you. Because of him who loved me, because of him who loved you. For I am convinced that's your job just be convinced. That's all you got to do. Just be convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor neither height, nor depth, nor any other thing that is in creation, in all of creation, will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are sealed. Your future is sealed. It's all going to work out, my friend. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the families. Lord, I thank you that, that, that there will be kings and queens that come from this community. 
Lord, I thank you that this church is blessed. I thank you the pastors are blessed. Lord, I thank you for the leadership. Lord, I thank you that you're making them strong and able and sharp and creative in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, you said, I will build my church. It's the only thing you're building today. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. And I thank you, Father, that the people in this church are blessed. Lord, I thank you that you visit them. Oh, the presence of God is in this place. I thank you that every family is blessed. I thank you that, that finances, oh, Lord, if there's a struggle in finances, Lord, you're generous. You're generous. God will make all of your needs met according to his riches and glory, not ours. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I thank you, Father, for healing is in this church. Lord, I thank you that the rivers of living water flow from this church, and it brings life wherever it goes. In the name of Jesus, I thank Thank you, Father, that you're, you're, you're making the way straight for our young people. Lord, I thank you that you're touching them. Lord, I thank you that you, there's revival in their hearts and souls. Lord, I thank you that there's breath in life, fresh breath in life in this place. In Jesus' name and in every household, Lord, I just declare, I just declare that you, you are strong. I thank you that there's an angel stationed at every house. Lord, I thank you that you bless us in our coming in and our going out. Lord, that you're with your people. Lord, I thank you that you are, you are, you are causing them to triumph in victory, in the name of Jesus. There's not a victim here that we are victors. In Jesus' name, I thank you for new identity, Father. I thank you for that if, if there needs to be something that is dropped off here that is left, and when we leave out, Lord, the doors, I thank you that there's a new, new name tag, new identity. There's more than enough room. I thank you, Father, for the people who have just feel, been feeling like they're walking on the edge of life or walking on a tightrope. Tight you said that you could even give us expanse that you would give us wide places to walk. I just thank you, Father, that you'll do that for this church, for the people in it. Lord, I thank you that depression flees, sleepless nights go in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that this is a church that sweets, sleeps sweet with undisturbed composure in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.